0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Kids Media Club podcast. I'm Andy Williams.
1: I'm Emily Horgan. And I'm Joe Redfern and welcome along. We're delighted to welcome today Simon Clark, who is head of digital content at BBC Studios Kids and Family uh, and someone whom I've known for a good number of years. Uh, we're delighted to have you here, Simon. Thank you. Now, let's kick off. You've been with BBC Studios uh, for a good long while now, and you have seen the growth of of the digital team and the social team. And also you've seen its importance grow to BBC Studios. Just give us a quick summary of, of your journey so far.
2: Yeah, no sure um, i've been here for 14 years which in digital that's quite a long time but um <laughs> it started off as very much kind of someone walking by my desk going we need some digital social type thing uh for one of the shows they were launching and it was kind of like oh i'll do that then so um and it kind of developed over the years and it's been amazing to see the power of digital and everyone embrace it because i think at the start it was very much a function of marketing and it was a kind of add-on thing and it was a promotional thing but as we've gone on, yeah. the power to create digital content to connect with those audiences and really to build those audiences has become a massive importance. So, we're now looped in at the very start of conversations when shows are being commissioned to think about the pipeline of content, how we'll launch it, the audience, different platforms, different content, different formats. And the content that my team now produce is really important as kind of a standalone content that goes alongside the show that has its own value. And you know, really adds to that kind of engagement piece because we know that we need more and more content, and the more that digital can support uh, the kind of main productions is hugely exciting for a creative team.
3: Yeah, mm. I'd love to hear more about that nuance, Simon, because something that I see a lot of, you know, is creators not necessarily thinking about digital platforms first, or if they, they, they think that it can just be, you know, oh, we'll just take some of this linear show. and We'll just put it on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's my one of my pet hates. We'll just put it on YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I'd love to hear more like what, how, how your team approach, like thinking about commissioning of content for digital platforms in, their, in, 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 in content's kind of native form. I think the key has been to get involved at the
2: very start because it was always historically that people had finished this show, production had wrapped, and the animators and all the people had gone onto different projects and it's like, oh mm. you've now asked for this big long list of things and every, every, everyone's gone, but I think now people do put it really important that it's there at the very start with the commissioning slate it's like what is that content? what do you need you know what's the volume what can we use from the main show, but what can we do separately uh, depending on that show? So I think we've really turned a corner and getting our briefs there from the very start, but also developing capabilities to reuse animation and to produce alongside the main series, which again, really helps because everyone wants that content and they understand it. But I think sometimes the digital expertise sits with the digital team because they know what works on TikTok, what works on YouTube. And it's not one size fits. And as we all know, you can't just take a piece of content and just put it everywhere. It needs to be nuanced to that platform and that audience. So I think it's really good to work with those production teams hand in hand from the start to learn from them, but also them to learn from digital too. So it has really changed. And it's um, it's great to, to see people embedded in those teams, I think is the real key
1: When l- looking back... Which brand were you working on when you really noticed that that tipping point? Actually, from where you were working alongside producers to create something that was tailor made for those for those audiences and platforms. I think probably Hey Dougie.
2: Hey Dougie is coming up for its tenth birthday, which is amazing.
1: It's gone so quickly, but it's going to be ten
2: years of Dougie next, next year, and I, I think. You know, going back to the very start, you know, we'd we'd launched season one and we had that content. But I think that need as we launched new digital kind of accounts, as we launched YouTube, as we launched, you know, uh, channels for parents, was that real need to work with Studio AKA to develop that content. And it was, you know, who produces that? How do we do it? And it was very much a case of, well, they invited us in to do that, you know, for them and with them. And that has allowed us to have a really strong pipeline. We've done 52 Dougie songs. We've done specials with David Attenborough. We've done the parenting badge. We've got the offside badges launched this week for the World Cup. There's loads of things that, that we do alongside AK, but we produce them. I think it's really brilliant to have that work, that close working relationship. So I think Dougie's probably the first one that saw that real benefit of growing that audience from the very start of the show 10 years ago which i think you know if you if you if you wind back then there was very you know a lot less profiles a lot less choice
0: interesting and and how's the bbc Studios stance on youtube or tiktok or snapchat how's that kind of evolved during that time do you do you treat each of those platforms differently how do you kind of tailor the content for each of those
2: Absolutely, especially for kids and family audience, they're they're very different. You know, YouTube. We work really closely with you with YouTube and the YouTube Kids team for the YouTube Kids app. And the content there is very much for children, you know, it's very much an extension of the show. It's clips, it's compilations, it's more fun from the show. But as you move outside of those platforms to Facebook, Instagram, and most recently TikTok, it's very much you're 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 talking to the parents. And it is that it's really is that co-viewing, which I think on some of the shows like Dougie and, and, and Bluey, that co-viewing is so important. And we see different audience groups, especially for Bluey. I think we're having audiences now that have found the show via TikTok and they're not parents, they're not, obviously not preschoolers, they are students and beyond, and they're finding a connection with the show and they love it and it's a different fan base. So the content you you, you provide for that platform is very different from the platform you would do for YouTube or for websites or for apps or all of those things. So it's very nuanced. We produce content separately. We don't do a one-size-fits-all.
1: And in terms of... Um monetizing those platforms that's something that you've you've moved into lately do you want to talk talk to us a little bit about that
2: Yes, yeah, so we've recently launched a BBC Studios social team, and that's a in-house commercial team that um, have the ability to offer partner sales. So they can sell advertising against our platforms on YouTube. So you, know, you can have a 100% share of voice across one of, one of our platforms, but also to work with sponsorship opportunities. It's a really interesting you know, partnership sponsorship kind of area where we can work directly with partners. And with developers to create really exciting content. So it's a really exciting new division within the digital consumer engagement team. So it's a really exciting time. And I think, especially with those power brands like Dougie and like Bluey, we're seeing massive growth. And I think it's, you know, the collaboration opportunities there are endless. So it's, yeah, it's a fantastic time.
3: I suppose it's a bit like that thing of like, don't make ads, make TikToks and trying to really embed content into those monetization opportunities. I mean, do you have any good examples of? where things have gone really right in that kind of in, in that kind of synergy?
2: Yeah, and I think with TikTok, it was very much a case of we were, you know, we were one of the first brands from BBC Studios. There were four brands that launched at the same time, you know, Doctor Who, Top Gear, BBC Earth and Bluey. And it was very much a test and learn for the content that we were putting out there. It was, we didn't know what to expect. And I think to see the early successes there, we had a couple of viral moments with some of our, It was 180,000 uses of one of our sounds, you know, people creating videos with these sounds. And um, I think it was a real, um, it was very much that short form content. It was just tapping into the comedy and the relatability. And I think when we approach content that that's kind of for partners, it's very different. So we'll do collaborations with a famous chef or someone that's great in the art world. And we really kind of, you know, it's them creating the content with us. So I think those collaborations mm-hmm. are very important. So we kind of, it's their take on Bluey or Dougie or whatever we do, but I think to work with people that create great music or they create great art, I think that's the that's a hook that we're kind of going for.
1: That was going to be my ne- that was going to be my next question in terms of given the nuanced approach to the different platforms and the different brands, you you sounds like you're extending that to the partnerships and the collaborations with those brands as well. Is that something that you're really keen to 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 ensure that you keep hold of? Absolutely, and I, I think it's,
2: you know, for any of those partnerships and those collaborations, digital will absolutely be part of those conversations because a lot of the content creation comes back to, to us because when you when you do mm. those things it's like what is the special hook what is the content and it has to come from the content it has to be genuine so I think when we work with somebody that maybe they'd be expert in in, in stop motion or whatever they're making it's, it's got to come back to that core creative element and I think digital is really key to that and especially when it comes to like more commercial opportunities you have to have that connection otherwise it does become an advert or become something different, which which is fine. But I think from, for our digital platform, we want that genuine content connection. So we will make content that's special rather than just put adverts.
0: Obviously, BBC Studios is a different entity from the BBC, but has have have you kind of had to kind of do a bit of a, a kind of re-education or a kind of um, a culture shift for some of the brands in terms of how they think of BBC content?
2: Um, well obviously we're studio so with with the commercial arm of, of, the, of the BBC so all, all the teams here are commercial and I think the partners that we work with our job is to deliver that commercial return for them whether it's in licensing or it's in digital and I think you know we have a lot of safeguarding going on with with our advertising policies and all the, all, the, all the various things that we have in place for the right platform and the right content so I think it is a journey I think you know when you're working with partners you have to explain them you know what each platform can do and what the safeguarding is. But I think we're very, we're very tied down there. We've already we've got it tight-knit. We have good moderation, and we have good working relationships with the platforms. We're doing everything that we can to ensure that we're doing the best for the content and the program on all those platforms. And those audiences. You know, we, we do have a, a child audience and we have a parent audience. It's different for, for each audience.
0: And how, does that, uh, how long has the sponsorship opportunities been around for brands to be able to really engage with BBC Kids shows?
2: Well, the BBC Studio Social Team launched about six months ago, so it's 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 a fairly new division within the Digital Consumer Engagement team. But I think there's always been those connections, but it is a fairly new, recent uh, addition to the team, which is exciting. It's, it's really
0: yeah. And, and how have the brands reacted so far in terms of that as a new opportunity to engage?
2: Super excited. I, I think it just opens those possibilities just to, just just to work with new partners and and, and to really develop. And you know it's good to look at different perspectives. You know, we get people coming to us and suggesting things. It's like, wow, that's really exciting. And to have that opportunity, especially with some of the brands like Dougie and Bluey, you know, people are coming to us and saying, you know, would you like to do this? It's like, wow, you know, this is really fantastic. You know, we, we were part of Macy's last year. So the Macy's parade in New York, wow. you know, Bluey was floating down the streets of New York. That was a fantastic opportunity.
1: I can't imagine there's any shortage of brands wanting to be adjacent to Bluey. I even saw Bluey appear on uh, WWE. Yeah, wow, time. hilarious! Full <laughs> yes. circle thing. joke. <laughs> I think
2: that's the connection uh, to the show. I think the audience have really taken Bluey to their heart, and there's so many different fan groups and kind of streams that are coming forward. It's just every day you see a new reference, which is which is great. It's really exciting.
0: And and has that sort of informed a model for you in terms of a way to approach shows and how to kind of build communities and attract brand partnerships? Is Bluey kind of been particularly important to kind of develop a model for that?
2: I think Bluey is important, but I think each show is different and I think you've you've got to look at, at at the content, you know, as I said, one size doesn't fit all. You've got to look at what is that connection? Where is that audience? And I think you learn from each brand. So the things we've done on Dougie, you, you kind of learn the things that work, but I think you've got to have that fresh perspective. Things change, audiences change. Sometimes a, a show can be popular in one country and they have a different way of working things. So we have a lot of, you know, localized channels, uh, different d- different content there. So you've always got to keep test, it's a test and learn approach, but I think you definitely learn from the things that you've, you've tried and worked well but you develop a good network of creatives I think you know to have people that can create really great content for you, you know it's those animators those stop motion those are kind of artists I think it's really exciting mm. working with people in that kind of field because you can give them a brief and just see the genius things that they will create making things out of felt or, or clay or whatever they're doing and it's just really nice to see that alongside your animation and your live action
3: yeah and you talk like that that testing phase, and, and I know the Bluey's TikTok footprint is is known, but actually I'd love to hear what your perspective is on YouTube Shorts, because we talk a lot about TikTok and it's very in the headlines. Um, and obviously from a policy point of view, it's maybe a bit more of a risk because, you know, there's discussion around it not being on government mobile phones. It seems to be banned in the US every and talk about banning it in the US every couple of months. Um, and YouTube shorts is, shorts is kind of quietly doing its thing in the background. What are you seeing um, for kids' content on those two platforms? Yeah, I, I think um, YouTube Shorts is an interesting one. It's, it's something that
2: we definitely do. I think you know it, it's it's that short form vertical video. It's taken us a while to get, get okay, expertise in the vertical video, but I think it's this really exciting format. So we're, again, we're just testing that. We, we do publish Shorts, and they do well for us. They're good for channel health. I, I think they're really nice to have that mix of content. And I think we will we, we will we will try anything on those platforms that just test the content because we know that live streams work really well. You we know, compilations mm. work, work well. And I think on Bluey we're, we're seeing that the shorts are working really well, too. And again, they can be used in slightly different format elsewhere, too. So it's, it's really nice to kind of have those snapshot moments that work vertically. In, yeah. in that
3: and form. do you find like t- YouTube shorts and TikTok, it, like you can like you, they're pretty good to share the content between them or is there actual mm. real nuance between them? There is a bit of a nuance. We, obviously, you can share some,
2: but I think we do approach them differently because it is a different audience. So I, I think um, mm. on um, TikTok, it's more about the audio moment. It is that catchphrase. It is that fun moment. It's it's something unique to that platform. Where I think Shorts is more akin to the content we are publishing on YouTube, which will be... um oh,
3: okay. Interesting. The cool.
2: And the character moments. I think one thing that we're finding is to focus on individual characters. So... From Bluey, Muffin is a is a is a, is a kind of runaway six six success. People love to see that kind of character. So again, shorts allows us to have those you know really key moments.
3: Cult heroes. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's mm-hmm.
2: something that the studios like to do. They do a lot of behind the scenes content, and again, that's 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 perfect for shorts.
0: How how involved do the creators of those shows get in terms of the promotion and those partnerships? So when you're talking about standout characters on Bluey. Is that something that the creators of Bluey are aware of, that there's that engagement with that character?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think at Ludo Studio, the makers of Bluey, they're really big fans of digital. They're really connected to our teams. We have weekly calls. It's a, it's a very good working relationship. And I think we produce the content together. So a lot of their animators and their artists are making content for social. So they will see what's working. We feed that insight back, and I think they enjoy the kind of test and learn. So they'll they'll spend their lunch hours doodling and sending us snapshots. You know, mm-hmm. Some of the best performing content is is some of the content where it's it's been their animatics or the or, or, the, or the kind of work in progress. And fans love that because it's something unique. And I think especially with Bluey, fans spot when it's something different. They will spot that that detail. They love the Easter eggs. They love that that level of content. So I think. Ludo really like to see that. I think it's a great working relationship and just just to kind of see which characters are really kind of popping, really. So yeah, Muffin is one that's uh, very popular. Right.
1: <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about the, the production capabilities there. We, before we, uh, we started recording, you were talking about how big your team has grown now and, and you've expanded your production capabilities across all of these platforms. Tell us a little bit about how you're set up. Who have you got in your team? So within digital consumer
2: engagement team, we, we have a mix of people. So it's people that create content and it's people that publish content too. So mm. our, you know, the whole team is probably more than 70 people, but that's across different genres. But I think for the kids and family team, it, it is a lot of people that are publishing on those channels, but also creating the content. A lot of editing resource. We have design resource. We have a whole kind of remit of people there. But we're part of the wider, um, you know, the BBC uh, children's in-house production team last year moved across to studios to the newly formed kids and family team. So, again, there's lots of capabilities there with people that are producing those individual titles. And again, we will work with them to uh, work on content. So... Potato is one of the titles that launched last year. We worked very closely with production and they produce the digital content for our channels. So again, looping in at the very start of those productions, it's great to have our briefs in there. So our creatives are embedded closely with that team that are making the show.
3: And how do you find working on like digital platforms in animation when the kind of the, the testing and learning never stops so that, you know, you might have briefed something at the start of production you know, a couple of years ago, but you know, when you see stuff perform on the actual platforms that maybe you want to change direction, or maybe you're seeing some things popping that you hadn't anticipated, how does that kind of work in you need to be reactive
2: and I think, you know, ideally we, we would turn things around within minutes, you know, you have to be realistic <laughs> with things. But I think trying to have those different content streams and I think we have a very active slate of things that we work things that we plan, you know, we, we're kind of planning next year and the year beyond. We have that content stream, but I think having that capability just to turn something around really quickly, I think. So we spend a lot of time pouring over the content, trying to guess what people will resonate with. <laughs> but you yeah. have to have kind of quick turnaround like we've just seen something as said that Ludo they really love uh, social so if they see something trending or something that they like they will always try and get as a piece of content that will lean into that or some way respond to it in that bluey way which is lovely I think having that enthusiasm uh, something you said Joe earlier I think winding back 10 years you had to really fight for that kind of like that attention but now it's kind of really key and it's really centered to your audience to have that connection. Yeah.
1: and how does it how does it work with you know obviously bluey is into successive seasons now so you can tap into that production resource but mentioning super potato you know great that you're being brought in at the beginning but perhaps in between series how how do you keep the content fresh with your team that's a good question and that's always a challenge i
2: think you have to pre-plan where you can so you, you, you you've got to plan for those kind of um in between season moments so i think it's it's commissioning at the very start so you make sure you've got a good kind of bank of content but it's looking opportunities to repackage the content too so for we we did a couple of songs we did a kind of a supermarket tour all of that content that kind of, you know, it is using a lot of the animation from the show, but it's giving a different lens to it. So I think yeah. in that publishing cadence and just being really clear, like to run a YouTube channel, you need this amount of content over 12 months. And some people, you know, they will look at that and go, that's a lot of content. But I think it's breaking it down to what do the animators need to create and what can an, a, a good editor create? What can our team create? And once you put it into kind of silos, actually, you can divide that responsibility because... You need more than one clip a week for a YouTube channel. We all know that. But I think yeah. you've just got to look at how you tackle that. And I think uh, we've managed to do that with a whole range of people all inputting to that kind of uh, volume. And I think not just that, but also how do you do it in, in French, Spanish, Portuguese, Japanese, you know, all those different languages. You've, you've got to think if something does very well, it will need to support all of those different markets and there's nuances and there's differences. But the one thing that is consistent, they all need volume. They all need content for their tools. Mm.
3: Yeah. I kind of want to put that on a plaque, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe mail that plaque to a few people because, it, it, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> you need more than one clip per week for a YouTube channel, dot, dot, dot. Simon Clark, <laughs> BBC Studios. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think, you know, In, the, um, yeah. It's just going back to things. Some people, you know, it's just knowing what's right for that platform. And I think, you know, um, I think people do, and we do a lot of a lot of our work is to go back to the producers and say, "Look, this is what we think we need for those platforms."
0: And,
1: and, and how you know did, you need- have the
0: producers been to the partnership opportunities? Have there have they been all quite accepting about that and quite collaborative about that? Uh, I meant the producers of the shows specifically.
2: Yeah, I think, and that's something that it's kind of just really kicking off now. But I think we've had really positive recent responses. I, th- I think people see opportunity, and I think again, it's just coming back to that core idea. And I've got look to have a really creative team, and they will come up with a genius idea that will work for whatever we want it to do because we, we can find it. And it's choosing those things wisely. But I think we always find a way to offer something a little bit different, and you have to, you, you know, you have to do that. Although otherwise, you know. Why would you do it it has to be genuine and connected to the show
3: yeah something like, I'm
1: going to come, oh, sorry i'm, I'm gonna go left field so if you've got more on this show go um i was i was just going to touch back on that localization point that you made just because i'm, I'm quite interested to to see the trend to um towards perhaps localizing much earlier than in in years gone by yes in terms of content and and tapping into that foreign language um, kind of element. Is that something that you build in from day one? It is now, and it's something that I've learned from experience is, you know, you
2: start to boost content, you know, two, three, four years ago, and then wind forward, and that show's now been sold into lots of different markets. People want that content, and you've got to go back four years think, have we got the source files? Have we got the layered mm-hmm. files? Have we got the split tracks? Have we got all those things we need to make that content? So I think having a really good archive of content, but also making it accessible, making sure that when you're commissioning, you're thinking, actually, is there a languageless version if we need it? Or sometimes the dubs come at a separate stage. So you haven't got those dubs, but you've got to think, actually, if I have them, we can do this version. If I haven't got the dubs, we do a slightly different version. But you really do need to think about layering of that content because, you know, Dougie, we're almost 10 years. We've got a lot of Dougie content, and it's great. I and mean, that, that can be used in lots of different markets. But a lot of it in the early days was just done in one language or two languages. You've really got to forward plan and go let's try and get this into as many formats as we can, because the content can be evergreen, especially with Dougie, you know, it's it's a really fresh series. And that content can be used in lots of different markets.
3: And actually kind of related to that, Simon, then it's trying to think of, you know, the commissioning structure of the original series. And, and you talk about, you know, something sold into other markets. Something that came up actually, it was at the children's media conference a few weeks ago, a lot was this idea of when rights are fragmented, um, you know, because of series sales, um, even though like platforms like YouTube and TikTok work much better when you're working on an international or a global basis, you know, um, I'd love to hear how, how you navigate that at BBC studios or, you know, how you've seen that kind of work out well or indeed work out not very well. Because I think there's, there are a few examples of, you know, that, those kind of fragmented rights really kneecapping the performance of, of content, you know, you can see it through yeah. the ecosystem. I think anybody that works on digital,
2: we hate to geo-target, we hate to do all of those those things that kind of restrict it. But I think and again it's the attitude has really changed over, over over the past three, maybe four years. What was once seen as competition to some channels is now seen as supportive. And I think a lot of the broadcasters and partners that you, you work with, it, you know, all ships rise. You know, it is successful that on yeah. every single platform. We know we need to be on YouTube, we know we need to need to be on this platform or that platform or this broadcast partner. And everyone needs to be doing as much as they can on those platforms. So I think we see a real shift with our partners of they see the benefit and I think they want to do it on their platforms too. So working really closely with them. So we work closely with the CBeebies team, the Disney Plus team, the, the ABC Kids team to really make sure that we're connected to their publishing. And where we can, we're sharing content. We're all publishing content as well and keeping those volumes consistent and working with you know the sales teams to ensure that contracts that were maybe issued a while ago we can rediscuss them or we can you know work with the partners and say actually well maybe your opinion on youtube may have shifted over those couple of years and and mm. you've now got a successful youtube channel yourself so how can we support that and i think we've lent into that and we've done a lot of work to provide content to those partners so that we can support their digital channels with our content streams so we're not having to geotarget posts or, or to just do content to one country because that that is not the way we want to go and it's great. It's really refreshing to see people embracing that kind of new world of yeah. Yeah, global.
1: I'm going to come back to Bluey, which you know uh, has built up this huge community globally of fans and, and seemingly across all ages and social strata. Um, is there a playbook? Is there a secret source? I'm sure many of our listeners would love to know what it is. Um, or at least in your view, what's 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 allowed the stars to align for Bluey to, to make it the breakout hit that it's become?
2: I think it all comes back to the quality of the content. It's Joe Brum's writing, you know, the creator of the, the show, the writer of the show. I think it's just, it is, it is a genius show. The quality of the writing, it's it's relatable, it's family moments, it's got humor, it's got so much in it. And I think different people take different things out from it, but at the core of it, it's a really strong show that everyone's got this love for. And I think once you have that kind of secret sauce of the show... And I think it's just, you just want to introduce it to as many people as you can and see how they react to it. So we did a lot of work early on with Ludo to kind of look at kind of the fans and what they're responding to and how we could just offer a lot more content there. So I think it does come back to the show. And I think Bluey is a very unique show and it's, it's, it's a brilliant show. And I think to see an audience coming on board now that don't have children, don't have preschoolers that are just finding Bluey and they're enjoying it because it's a little bit of, Relaxation time, or they're taking out something from it. It's such a joy, and I think it's something quite unique. And it's you know, it it, it, it certainly um, it keeps us you know really busy and in a positive way. So I think the secret sauce is just to uh, be responsive. To listen to your community, we do, we, we, we do a lot of community management, a lot of insight there. We listen to what people want. There are so many fan groups. There are podcasts. There are so many of these groups of people talking about Bluey. So it's great because you get all this insight to what they're connecting with. So really having that strong content slate on the back of that to say, actually, well, what do each of these fan groups want? And how can we keep dialing it up? How can we change? How can we try new, th- uh, new things, new pieces of content? So, so I feel yeah. like
3: when you have the students, it's like that is such a statement on how much you've arrived and I know from back in the day at uh, working on on channels there were certain shows that brought the students yeah. it's like when 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 Gandalf when Gandalf and you look to the look to the sunrise on the fifth day and the students come over the hill it's and you suddenly've got even more fans of your show and it's it's crazy but it's it's so funny to hear that you know they really they really responding to the show yeah and I think
2: and also with bluey it's you know um beyond preschool you know it's five six seven eight nine ten you know it, it's just stretching that audience and i think it's a real family moment we see so many uh fans on social and you know it's it's appointments of view. as soon as we drop the new episodes people are watching it together mm-hmm. and their family or they're sneaking and watching it when the kids are at school or whatever they're doing it's a it's a, it's a real charm i think so we're very- how
3: did you how did you go through get like because the, the tiktok presence is great but i I would say that there was probably conversations had in advance of that to be, you know, because putting a preschool brand on TikTok, getting stakeholders bought into that. I mean, was that was that an easy sell or was it something that kind of you guys needed to do some convincing on?
2: I think it's always a discussion with it, with, it, with any new platform that you launch on, but we have a really great moderation team and, and those things are really well accepted. But I think it's just, it's just looking at the opportunity. And I think um, we were very lucky that the creators of the show were really keen on uh, TikTok and could really see the potential over there and just working closely with the partners. So we work really closely with TikTok and just looking at those opportunities and, it's just a platform that we had to be on. And I think, you know, we've got 2.5 million followers. Great. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, people were on there anyway, talking about Bluey and posting content and just using it. But I think you get a real sense that just people love it. And I think it would be, it would be odd if we weren't on there. And I think, you know, we're we're talking to parents and students. It's a very different audience on our other platform. Mm -hmm. But I think it was, I think it was obvious to me and to my team and to the wider team that I think it was such a great, opportunity that we had to go there and I think you see other brands on there you, you've got Sesame Street on there now there's lots of other brands are on there too so it's just mm-hmm. finding their own niche But
3: um, I love that you don't sweat it at all because probably for the last 14 years you've just been pitching people to get on new platforms yeah. probably every that's like your day job you have, to, you
2: have to you go look at this new thing you know and it's just like and then, and then it changes and then it's this format and then it's that format oh. but I think um you know most people now can see the benefit of those platforms and they're using them themselves so i think it's
1: yeah and and for me i certainly do notice that difference in tone in bluey content on tiktok versus versus youtube it, it you're right you need to play to the audience on there uh, and given and, uh, and be responsible Uh, Like you said, you know, parents are on TikTok. Millennial parents are on TikTok. They've grown up on that platform. So even though Bluey is a preschool brand, actually there's a justifiable conversation to be had with parents on TikTok and they really respond to it. And I, I, you know, my kids are much older now, but I love the the content on TikTok for Bluey. It really taps into that kind of parenting, kind of, you know, knowing nod. (laughs) And uh, it's really done with
2: yeah, I think that, that's It's a, it's a knowing nod. And I think it's just, it is, it's such an exciting platform. And I think it's one that we do, you know, we make sure that the, the people we have working on that use the platform a lot. So it's real kind of, it's people that know and understand that platform that are creating the content and just working with that community.
0: And talking about Bluey, how does that, how does the relationship work with a partner like Disney Plus and Bluey? Um, Is that is that quite an open communication with you guys in terms of kind of the content that you're producing? And I've assumed that they're producing content as well.
2: Absolutely, yes. We we, again we work really closely with all our partners, so CBeebies, uh, Disney Plus, ABC Kids. We have regular meetings. There's a really good flow of kind of assets and communication. We do our planning together. So you know we we have a a course with their YouTube team, and we know what they're doing, and we work together. We supply content we work on themes together where we can it's 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 a real shift it's really refreshing to work on show where everybody wants lots of content because you know historically you've worked on a show and you create lots of content but trying to get people to use it in the right way has always been a bit of a challenge but i think nowadays people know that success and they know the reaction They, they they want more and more content so we work really closely with them and we create a lot of content for them they create their own but it's all that kind of one big ecosystem where we're sharing a lot of the content so Again, they're really thrilled about the success on TikTok and YouTube. They have their very own successful YouTube channel. And the CBeebies team too, you know, we work really closely with the CBeebies team because um, it's a really important show for that. And not just Blue Eats, they dug in all our other shows too.
3: Are there any Are there any shows you're seeing coming up that are more kind of like oh, that older audience? Because preschool's a bit easier. You know, preschoolers, they, they watch on YouTube kids, then you target the parents. But it's actually that kind of middle ground audience that's, tricky on these kind of platforms
2: it is and i think when you can you get to that type the older audience there's so much uh the interests of kind of diverging and there's so much competition and they're on different platforms they're into their gaming they're into their sports they're into wherever they are so i think it is harder at that at that, that kind of slightly older end of, of, of the kind of audience but i think you know we have like we've got Phoenix rise we've got some great stuff coming up but again i think you have to look at those shows independently and work out where you see the audience, but also keep checking in, you know, you know, once once the show's launched, how's it doing? You know, what content are we creating? And I think we've noticed for that kind of audience, it's working with um, the right influencers, the right collaborators to get them on set, get them creating content, get them doing it in their own style, because they can talk to their audiences much better than we can plan to talk to their audiences. So really giving people opportunities to come on board and create uh, content with us. So we did some of that with Nova Jones. So we had some people coming over and just doing their own kind of take on some of the uh, behind the scenes content. It is very different, I think, but you just got to plan for where are those audiences, what platforms they are on and what kind of content we think would work.
0: And could you just kind of talk me through that process in terms of working with influencers? How do you kind of identify them and how do you feel like, how do you kind of match them to the shows?
2: It's a collaborative process, really. So we work closely with our press and comms team, the the marketing teams, the production teams, and it could be identifying talent we think might be suitable for the show or have an affinity. Uh, If it's an existing show, we will look at people or how they're engaging with it. But I think it's very much um, on a case-by-case basis, but it is trying to find some people that are the right fit for the show and would create some content in their style that would work for the show. So again... We want to have lots of different styles. So I think, you know, for Bluey, we've worked with people that are doing some stuff around dance. But it's very much a case of actually, well, who do we think responding to the content and what could they do? So there's some really, really exciting stuff coming up. But we're just watching and looking and just seeing who we think is a really good fit. But again, it's just, you know, it's just being on those platforms. And we've seen people do stuff with the shows organically and it's like oh great well let's 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 speak to them can you do something else with this can you do some more of that can you do something different so it's great when people respond to the shows and you see a bit of creativity that you can then help to fund and get them to produce more or something different
0: amazing yeah that's kind of that organic conversation with the audience as well is uh, is fantastic it's kind of really valuable
2: I think it has to be there has to be a genuine connection there you know it's not just about a transaction it's got to be a, a creative process where there's there's a you know there's something in it for the audience and the creator to have some fun with that
1: content that's key isn't it if it's gonna cut through i think kids in particular have got the most acute radar for stuff that isn't genuine and authentic so you know it's folly to do anything but figure out a way to to be honest and open and and let the creator do their thing but also, you know, read the audience and give them what they want to. Absolutely, and just to give those opportunities, you know, for the creators to, you
2: know, have a wider audience, have a wide opportunity to to get on set to work with the animators to just do something that kind of elevates their content and connects it well to the show. So, again, it, it's just looking at those individual moments and trying to plan. But we don't do volume of them because I think you have to; they are special moments. I think you just need to approach each one differently.
1: Well, thank you, Simon. It's been an absolute joy to have you on the podcast today. Um, And we're we're super pleased that you came on to discuss all of this with us. Uh, So thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Kids Media Club podcast. And a big thank you to Simon for being such a fantastic guest. Please remember to like and subscribe and hope you'll listen to the next one.